Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. The fan in New York. December 1st, a Friday night, a football Friday. Your nighttime host, Keith McPherson on the fan. We call this KM to AM, a five-hour sports talk show where you can call in 877-337-6666 and talk to me. I talk all sports. I like all sports. I watch all sports. I don't know everything. You might know more than me, so call me up and tell me something. I mean, I thought I knew something about Oregon. I thought Oregon as nine-point favorites was going to come in and uh, have their way with Washington. But it's a long game, folks. 11 minutes left in the second quarter. They're down 10. But now we finally started to see Bo Nix and that Oregon offense get going. I'm telling you, if you're a Jets or Giants fan, you should be watching these quarterbacks. Michael Penix Jr. missed a wide open receiver down the left sideline. Not a great look, but it happens. It happens. Every quarterback, anybody you know that's ever played quarterback has a couple passes in their mind that they missed in the game that they'll never get over, ever. I missed a wide-open Corey Giddings up the seam in high school uh, against Tom's River East. It, it just it stuck in my memory. He was wide open. I just My footwork wasn't right. I didn't expect him to come open like that. Safety wasn't there. He's running right. I'm like, oh. overthrew him. It happens. 877-337-6666. Shout out to Corey Giddings. I know I was talking a couple nights ago about how uh, And I mentioned it tonight, how these coaches make so much money and how Frank Wright is getting paid $25,000 a day not to coach. I had an opportunity to coach back at my high school when I just got out of college, and I think they offered me 2500 for the season, or at least that was what was talked about. It wasn't on paper. And, uh, man, 12 years later, if I would have pursued coaching, maybe I'd be making millions as a coach, but... Didn't end up going that route, but uh, my guy Corey Giddings did. He's a Stony Brook Seawolves legend. If you went to Stony Brook, my guy Corey Giddings scooped up three fumbles in one game, took two back to the house. We played together in high school. I I, I miss Corey on a couple passes, but there was some that we we connected on. That's, that's my guy. He uh, has coached. He was actually with the Giants doing some scouting. He's coached for Northwestern. I believe he's with Appalachian State now doing his thing, so... Just a little nugget for you. I'm a football guy, man. Played football, played with a lot of different guys, played at two different colleges, played in high school. Uh, I could talk football. I, I would say I think football is my, my strong suit as far as uh, talking about the NFL, college, and just the X's and O's. It's funny because, you know, on fake Twitter, Twitter trolls are like, stick to the Yankees. I'm like, little do you know. Little do you know. Chris is in Manhattan. What's up, Chris? You're on the fan. Hey, Keith. It's been a while, man. I hope you had a great holiday. Man, I still love your show and the way you engage with the callers, man. It's really beautiful. Thanks. I had a great holiday. I hope you did, too. And, and thanks for calling back in and listening, and thanks for the kind words. Absolutely, man. I want to talk a little hot stove, but I was always curious. What was your position when you played football or positions? Quarterback, and then I couldn't get on the field to play quarterback my last couple of years, and I always was, like, pretty athletic, so I switched. I started playing receiver. Uh, 
more of an X outside receiver, but played some slot. I started kick returning, punt returning at Monmouth University, just trying to get on the field. And then I uh, broke my foot my my last year, oh. and I just hung it up. Got it. You know, I, I'm, I'm a Jets fan. I, I, you know, I mean, whatever that means. Uh, I'm a baseball fan mostly, but I'll never forget watching Warren Moon. I went to a game, Warren Moon. I see with the Oilers back then. And this guy had an arm high. Like, he looked like he hardly moved, and the ball would go like 70 yards. I never ridiculous I, I did a book report on a, on a warren moon book that i got out of the library when i was young yeah warren moon is one of the goats they they don't Man, they don't mention him enough they don't talk about how good right. warren moon was actually it had a crazy arm and accurate too so hey um on the hot stove so the mets and stuff i'm, I'm following these rumors and stuff i, I gotta tell you I, I heard a little bit of those rumors about bregman and i don't know if that's gonna really happen but i do have to tell you as a Mets fan, I'm intrigued because that guy is just a bona fide winner. Yeah. And it's proven it on a big stage. And, you know, Keith, the thing about the Mets and the Yankees or New York or any maybe the other big cities is I don't think we look at that enough when we think about who we're bringing over here. It yeah. is so hard to play here. Because that, you know? that doesn't show up in analytics. There's no numbers to right. say that this guy is a bona fide, proven, postseason performer. 100%. And also has the attitude to embrace it on the big stage. I mean, you can maybe drill down to some numbers, but like these people that are in postseasons time and time again and come through, like to me, you put Bregman on the Mets, put him at third, put Mauricio at second, you could put McNeil in the outfield, this is going to do anything else. Bregman would bring a winning yeah. attitude to the yeah. Mets. Look at Corey Seager, look at Nate Valdi this year. These guys are like, been there, done that, World Series champs before, World Series champs again. We know what to do in October. Um, even with the Phillies, they came up short. But, like, some of those guys, man, they turned it on when they had to. Yes, that is an important thing. It, it's not necessarily on the back of the baseball card. I think it gets forgotten a lot. But, like, yeah. who has done it in October? Who has a proven track record of showing up when the lights are brightest, when the games mean the most? Yeah, Keith. And, you know, I didn't hear your open, so forgive me, but I was curious your take on Soto with the Yanks. Are you for it? Of course I'm for it. Of course I'm for it. I don't know how any Yankee fan could be against it. I know there's some goofy Yankee fans online that tried to build the case. (laughs) But, like, if you watched the Yankees last year and you don't want Juan Soto in this lineup, like, what are you talking about? I don't know if you're actually a Yankees fan. Like, I know there's a lot of fans that just hate the team, but Juan Soto in this lineup can do so many things to help other hitters in this lineup and just impact the Yankees in general. He's like, he's, I mean... Even in the outfield. Yeah. I know he's not the best fielder, but you need outfielders. You don't have a center fielder. You don't have a left fielder. The guy could play left. Um, yeah. I, I just What I said in my open was this. At yeah. this stage in the game, which is early in the game, all you're hearing is talk about the Yankees. And all you're hearing is, you know, players from the Yankees. Like, players like Drew Thorpe, Michael King, Clark Schmidt. I'm not hearing any other teams and any other players come up. So... I You're think right. that the Yankees might have some leverage. I think that Cashman's not getting fleeced at this point. He knows he has leverage. He knows that they can't afford to pay Juan Soto. He knows that they have to trade him and get a haul, right. and they just have to figure out who they're willing to part with. But I hope that they don't prospect hug because they've hugged so many prospects with the Yankees before that turned into nothing. This guy is a proven player. As we're talking about bona fide postseason yes. players, man, that year when they went to beat Bregman and uh, – Bregman's carrying the bat uh, down first base, and then yep. Soto does the same thing. Like, that guy is a dog. The Soto and shuffle, what was he, all of it. 19 then or 20? Right? Yeah, Soto he was 19? so young. He was so young. Crazy. He was like 20 yeah. years old. So, man, go yeah. get that guy if that guy's available. Thanks for the call, Chris. If you miss my open, you can rewind in the free Odyssey app when we go to break or 
Go to the podcast. Go to hour one. Start it over. Listen there. But you don't need to. I'll keep refreshing with different things that, you know, we're talking about and what's going on. Let's see where I want to go. Oh, limo, limo driver. Hey, my guy. Back on the fan. You're in PA right now? What's up, Ed? I'm heading down to Philly, man. I got my passenger. Should have been in five hours ago. Oh, man. Is it raining hard Delayed on you? Flight. How are you doing in the rain yeah, out there? It's been, well, it's been, all right, man. It's just been raining a lot, you know. And to tell you the truth about it, man, I don't know if a lot of people got money. The roads ain't like they used to be on a Friday, you know, with the holiday things coming. You think people be out shopping. I know it's bad weather and everything, but... I think people just don't have the money right now for the pandemic, man. People just not shop. People not, they not are many, flying. It's, it's not that much traffic. Good, because people can't drive in the rain. Good. No, man, hey, that's one of the best things out there. But listen, you know, I had my season tickets with the Jets. I was there a couple weeks ago, well, you know, on Good Friday. Here we go again, you know, after I spoke to you that time, after I got back from the game, and here we go. I'm not going to. I, I, I told my boss, I said, man, give me some limo runs because, you know what, I'm not going out to be standing that rain for the eighth time. Mm-hmm. Ninth time, time the Jets played home, it rained. <laughs> One of the first ones, I think last week it did rain on Good Friday. But, uh, yeah, I, listen, I ruptured my Achilles in 2013, man. It took me a year just to get myself, you know, and just to get back again. I don't know how Rodgers did this, but I don't want him playing. You know, he owes me another two years. That's the way I look at things. Another two you know, now. I don't know yep. you, yeah. yeah. 40 and 41-year-old seasons. That's right. That's right, brother. Hey, listen. And But, you know, there are millions and millions of quarterbacks out here in this country. And you mean tell me we can't find a decent quarterback? They could. they could. It sucks. They banked on his injury history, which really he doesn't have a long history of injuries. He never really got hurt. They banked on this guy being yeah. healthy and him mentoring Zach Wilson and Zach Wilson not having to play much, and, and it blew up in their faces. But you know for a fact that you didn't have a good line. Now, I'm going to yeah. tell you right now, before yeah. Rodgers even thinks about coming back, he's probably not. I don't think he's going to come back. But we're, we're not going to win next weekend. We're not going to be the Atlanta Falcons. We, we don't have an offense. Can't score, can't do anything. Um... I, I, I wouldn't even listen. I wouldn't even waste time. You know what, man? We, we're going to have to revamp that whole offensive line. A couple of his buddies going to have to go. We need to get my man from, uh, what's that, the Raiders. Uh, his his player. His, yeah, we need to get him up in there next week, next year with Wilson. And uh, see where we go from here, man. But, you know, listen, uh, at least if we ain't going to win, at least get a good draft choice. But we'll go pick somebody that's crazy. Thanks for the call. Eight seven seven three three seven. Actually, don't call. I got a guest coming up, but you know Ed said some funny things there. Devontae Adams. Yeah, you got to give to get. Who you giving up? What picks you giving up? What players you give giving up to the Raiders to get Devontae Adams? I think that's done. I don't think that's happening. Devontae Adams has much longer to play than Aaron Rodgers does. I was listening to C Mac. I always listen to C Mac show driving home, and C Mac does a good job with the overnight. And uh, I usually get out of the car and pop my uh, earbuds in and, and listen to his show, you know, waiting for my son to cry and wake up. And, um, you know, I'm usually up till three, four in the morning at night. And C-Mac had a part of his show where he's like, I'm listening to a fan today. And these people call and tell us about their Achilles injuries. You're not a professional athlete. You're damn sure not Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest. Of life. So I don't care about your injury. I don't care about how he came back. But no, it's something to be said about anybody that's come back from an Achilles injury. That's the whole thing with Rodgers. He's trying to defy modern medicine. He's trying to be the guy that co- to come back fastest in history just to add to the accolades of his incredible Hall of Fame career. I mean, I don't know. I just think you got to just call a spade a spade. It is what it is. This season has been a mess, 
and you don't want to jeopardize next year. Andrew's in Stanhope, New Jersey. Andrew, you're on the fan. Rogers, he thinks taking psychedelic mushrooms <laughs> and being <laughs> in a dark room. And, uh, yeah, darkness retreats with no internet and no light. And he's immunized. He, he didn't have to get vaccinated. He got suspended a year in the year he won MVP. What a guy. He's, he's an interesting character. And, you know, the real reason not to be dark, being in a dark room for four days, but the big whatever it is, you know, 40 million or 80 million guaranteed, that's the uh, incentive, not laying in the dark. <laughs> but I just want to say, uh, on, quick on the negative notes with the quarterbacks, with the Jets, the irony was that um, the great Dan Marino, the Jets could have picked, and they picked, I think, um, I forget his name now, but it was a good quarterback that they picked, but not a, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback. Time. We got it. We got it. <laughs> We got to yeah. go back to that. Let me see if I can pull that up. Who did who did the Jets draft instead of Dan Marino? Yeah, that's a little bit before my time, and I haven't really heard that. Ken O'Brien. And the yeah, that's right. And he was good, but he was not a Hall of Fame type amazing player like Marino. And ironically, then it was Marino who um, did the fake spike that kind of crashed the Jets season. And the Jets coach at that time was Pete Carroll. And they were rolling. They were on a roll, and then it all fell apart. What <clears throat> with the fake spike, they lost that game, and then Pete Carroll goes on to coach and win a Super Bowl. <laughs> so it's like uh, almost like they're cursed. And just quick with Daniel Jones and the injuries, you're a Dallas fan with uh, Dak Prescott. What I would notice when he would often get sacked, and the guy would fly through, Prescott would kind of like dip his shoulder, almost do like a martial arts move, and he wouldn't take the full brunt of the hit oh yeah he, he made a play last the, night he got out yeah. of one they thought he was almost down yeah <laughs> but daniel jones w- would be the opposite he would be tall and completely upright and get hit right in the chest and or, take or zach wilson court. who sacked himself yep. this year i watched zach wilson <laughs> literally fall didn't get sacked just like took the sack himself what are you doing but, yeah you're right the old timers were great uh <clears throat> warren moon he was he kind of reminded me of peyton manning like he would pick you apart he was a little better athletically. He wasn't like a stiff, but he was a killer in the pocket. Like, he could really pick you apart, and he was pinpoint accurate. But uh, Dan Marino, not old enough to remember the class of 83 with um, Dan Marino and then Brian Kelly, and they were amazing. And I just want to say as quarterback, too, like Kurt Warner and Marino, they were immobile, especially Marino, but they would bounce. Like, he would do this little bounce in the pocket, and Michael Vick came on, and he was an amazing runner. Yep. But they were, like, equally dangerous because Vick could run where Marino couldn't, but he would just, like, do the shuffle and buy, like, another two seconds and get, try yeah. to get the, it to the, the wide The days team. of uh, Peyton Manning sitting in the pocket, Tom Brady sitting in the pocket, the the, the, the D linemen are running four 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 five now. The, so these guys are getting right. to him fast. Those days are gone. you got to be mobile. you got to be elusive. And you don't have to be a Michael Vick but you do have to be able to maneuver in the pocket, avoid the rush, spin out, step up in the pocket. Like watching Zach Wilson, I'm like, if this kid just learned to step up in the pocket, go forward, not backward. Like, that's tough. I know your question, thank you for the call, Andrew, was who was my favorite quarterback growing up? That was the topic on the screen. We'll get to it as we're going to a break now to bring in Zach Rosenblatt from The Athletic to talk Jets. My favorite quarterback growing up was Troy Aikman. I wore number eight because of Troy Aikman. I'm telling you, before you ever heard me speak, before you ever even knew of me, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I've just been. 
I'm a product of the 90s. I'm a product of America's team being front and center and winning Super Bowls. I watched them win Super Bowls as a, as a kid. So it was Troy Aikman. I, I literally wore eight because of Troy Aikman from the first time I started playing quarterback at age 11 all the way through graduating high school. But I also love John Elway in that era, Brett Favre in that era, Steve Young in that era. And then, you know, Andrew just mentioned Michael Vick. I had the Michael Vick cleats my freshman year at JMU, had the Michael Vick jersey, love Vick style coming out of Virginia Tech and then into the league. And I don't know, there's just so many guys that changed the game and and were great playing the game. And then, you know, we just I just mentioned Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Ben Roethlisberger and Phillip Rivers, that whole era of guys, which Aaron Rodgers was also in. Great era of quarterbacks. And I think we're into the next era of Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott's in there too. Uh, I guess to a little bit. No, I'm not putting Herbert in there. Lamar Jackson, we're there. Joe Burrow, we're there. We're there. And now coming into the league this year is a new wave of quarterbacks that I think are going to be ready to compete. Michael Penix Jr. as I'm watching Washington score again. Martin, stay on the line if you want to talk about this Washington-Oregon game. I have to break right now. We got to go get... Zach Rosenblatt, Keith McPherson on the fan. KM to AM returns right after this. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Yeah, yeah. Moving right along here. Keith McPherson on the fan, a five-hour KM to AM. We're about at the halfway mark. And joining me right now, the Jets beat writer from The Athletic. I've had him on maybe four or five times now. I just respect the guy. I follow his tweets. I have post uh, notifications on. Like, I get a lot of the information that I share with you around the Jets from him. It's Zach Rosenblatt back on the fan. What's up, Zach? What's up, Keith? I feel bad for you getting notifications when I tweet nonsense about, like, food or <laughs> Speaking of nonsense, I was talking to Spike about you. I didn't know that you were a Sixers fan. You're from Philly? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big listener of the Right Ricky Sanchez podcast. So, yeah, I'm, I've, I've known Spike for a while. I can't stand the Sixers, man. I'm a Nets fan, so you can, <laughs> you can put two and two together there. I, someone just called. Oh, Jarvis, he's like, yeah, I'm watching the Celtics uh, play the Sixers. I'm like, I can't stand either one of those teams. I wouldn't watch a second of the game. Are you watching that game? I just saw it's it's tight going into the fourth quarter, like 95, 94 Celtics. Oh uh, no, I wasn't watching. And the, and the Sixers don't have anybody playing. I was I was gonna say we both at least can come together to laugh at all the the misery James Harden is bringing in the Clippers now. So <laughs> yeah, we definitely can uh, relate about James Harden. We we dodged a bullet there. Uh, neither franchise gave him the long term deal he was looking for, but 
Uh, we're here to talk about the Jets, right? Yeah, we got to <laughs> talk about the J-E-T-S just end the season. Not quite, right? They're not in the season yet because Aaron Rodgers spoke and said that he might come back if they win the next couple games. That's really what I wanted to talk to you about tonight because we didn't see any video. We didn't even get the audio to play clips of it here. But you were there. You got to see him, or was he on a Zoom? Like, Can you tell us what the vibe was with this uh, you know, meeting of the media with Aaron Rodgers being back to practice and the 21-day practice window being open? Yeah, it was, it was like a meeting room in the facility with like one of those long tables that you have for like a board meeting, and he's sitting in the middle of it. And it's funny because he did the same exact thing with us like a week before the season, and that's where he had that quote that went viral where he talked about how he felt like he was living a waking dream and you know just being able to be in New York and, and the whole experience and blah, blah, blah. And then he, then he goes and obviously has his nightmare in, uh, in week one, and, and then we're sitting back there again, and he's talking about to us about his recovery. So it was a very full circle moment and kind of like just underscored how kind of weird and how much this season went off the rails to a degree. But, yeah, I mean, the, the idea that we're even talking about possibility about him coming back is is pretty wild yeah I, i've been on the record saying man the the curse of the jets and the karma aaron Rodgers together i, I feel like we could have guessed that this was going to be explosive boom and not in a great way i think everybody wanted to say super bowl we're going to the super bowl but i mean right away it was a disaster so here we are uh, i just had bo morgan on who host the radio show, um, the morning show in Atlanta, 92.9 The Game, and he made me realize how much Falcons fans have fear of their team running into disaster. They have the worst Super Bowl loss you know, in history, and they have Desmond Ritter as their quarterback, and they're going into this game this week, and they're in first place, but they still have some kind of fear that they could come into JetLife Stadium and take an L. What are you thinking about this week? I we were just talking about it. And I'm like, it's it's a 95 percent chance of rain. The over under is 33, so they're expecting it to be low scoring. It's Tim Boyle versus Desmond Ritter. It's basically a pick 'em. I'm like, this might be the worst game of the week in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I feel like people weren't really interested in talking about like this game at all this week because of the Rogers stuff. It kind of like took over the conversation. Of course, um, it did, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, shocker there. But, uh, yeah, you know, I out of all their games left on the schedule, like removing the Patriots because it's hard to even say that's an easy win since the Jets never beat them. Like, this is a game on the schedule where, like, you can't really say the Jets should beat anybody anymore, but they should beat the Falcons if they if they want to take all this stuff they're talking about seriously. And, you know, if they want to, see, to keep the season from going off the rails, I think this is the loss where if they go out there and they get killed by the Falcons like they've gotten killed the last few weeks, like, that, I don't think this is a thing that, they're going to have a really easy time recovering from it. I think you're already starting to see some frustration in the locker room. And so I, uh, if the offense goes down there and does another stinker um, and they lose to the, to the Falcons by, you know, however many points, like I, I don't think that's going to go over very well. A lot of fans have already tapped out on this season. It's been pretty pretty miserable, frankly, especially with how bad the offense has been, as you know. Um, but, yeah, so I think this is a big, you know, we've had a two turning points in the season. This is like a different kind, I think. It's everybody's pretty much accepted. They're probably not going to actually make the playoffs, even if Rodgers comes back when they have a five percent chance. Like the odds of it actually happening, like, um, are pretty slim. So, I uh, I think this is the game where it's like, okay, things could get really bad if they lose it. Yeah, it's it's eerily similar to last year and the nosedive that they took last year, losing a bunch of games in a row. They're they're in another losing streak with no real quarterback, and I, like 
I said this in my open. I'm like, an object in motion stays in motion. It's hard to stop the bleeding. It's hard to stop a losing streak. And even the last game they won, they should have lost that game. They won it in overtime against the Jets in the or against the Giants in the rain. But the the Jets have not put together a good, solid performance on the field in a long time. I guess since October 8th, that's almost two months ago. And when you look at the Broncos, the Broncos have won five in a row. I also yeah. talked about them and their winning streak, the converse. Like, they're going to face the Texans and, you know, battle for actual playoff contention. I just, I don't see it. I don't see how Tim Boyle just becomes this quarterback that he never was at any level. Like, I don't see how he just turns it on and, and goes for 300 yards and three touchdowns. Definitely not in the elements. Definitely not at this point. And like you said, like, I, I listen to these guys like Garrett Wilson, these guys in the, in the locker room and... I give a lot of credit to Rob Sala for keeping them together, but it seems like they're overly positive still. You know, even like their quotes, they just still have optimism that the season's not over. They're not mathematically out. They can win. They can get something going. And, and I don't understand how that's like my question is coming up. Like, I don't understand how's the thing. The vibe in the locker room, you're there in the locker room. Does it seem authentic? Does it seem real? Do these guys still think that like, hey, we could win out here? You know, any given Sunday, we can win out and Aaron could come back. Or does it seem like it's it's starting to wear on everyone? I think the thing that's wearing on everybody is just the, the offense's lack of production. And, and, you know, you mentioned the Tim Boyle thing. Like, you're, you're right, he doesn't have a history of production. But I, I think the bigger issue, even than the quarterback, um, obviously they have, like, personnel issues um, that we can talk about if you want. But, um, like, I, I think Nathaniel Hackett, the way he calls plays, it, it just does not put these guys in a position to succeed in my mind. Like, I think if you're including the Hail Mary, I think Tim Boyle averaged something like four yards, four air yards per attempt. Uh, last week, which is really hard. That means he's basically throwing it right in front of him. Like that's that's not very far. And and you know, it, and he was asked about it this week, and he said, "I'm just going to do what what Coach Hackett calls, and I believe in his play calling." So essentially, saying like these are this is what Daniel Hackett is telling me to do. And I think you see it in just how boring their play calling is. Yeah, um, they ru- they they run, they run, then they pass, and they go three and out, or they get a mistake here and there. I think it, it starts at the top with the OC, and you know, obviously none of these quarterbacks they have are going to lead them anywhere, but you you. You'd hope that you had an offensive coordinator that could at least put them in position to make plays. So is is Aaron Rodgers that much of a difference maker? Right? Does Aaron Rodgers just make Nathaniel Hackett's offense go to the point he was winning back to back MVPs? He said something to you guys about how you know he's not worried about coming back with the offensive line because it's the quarterback's job to get the ball out quickly, yeah. get us in the right protection. He said it so cavalier. Like, I mean, obviously he's one of the goats. He's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. But I'm like, that's not just. Easy to do, easy, way easier said than done. And, and yes, you know, when I'm watching the rest of the NFL, even last night, look at all the points we saw scored last night. Look at the play calling last night. I'm watching this game right now with Oregon and Washington. They just did a double reverse screen pass. Like, where where is the imaginative, creative play calling? At this point in the season, you have nothing to lose. You should be in your bag of tricks. You should be pulling out all the stops, not just a fake punt. But, like, anything in practice that can be installed to throw off a team like the Falcons. Like, is there any hope that this week we see something else? Like, I feel like they're running out of time to keep running the same plays, the same offense that hasn't been effective all year. Yeah, I mean, do I have confidence they'll do something different? No, because I my, my whole thing, and I, and I, I go with this kind of thread um, when I can, like, until – the Jets prove that they're going to do something different. Like, why should we believe that they will? Like, they've given us no evidence that they're willing to change outside of some personnel stuff, which is really like, as I've said, it's like putting a Band-Aid on a bowl. Yeah, like, like, we'll get Jeremy like, Ruckert involved. 
Um, yeah, Allen was all scratch. Now he's Jason back. Bradley, and that's not gonna that's not gonna really move the needle ultimately. So, and cutting Michael Carter for Izzy Abadakondo, right? Not really played. Um, so yeah, they you know it's it's all cosmetic changes. I, I do think to the Aaron Rodgers point, I really do think that does make a difference. And obviously, having Rodgers just makes a difference in any offense. But in terms of the offensive line stuff, I think it would make a big difference having a guy who can like just see everything and call out stuff. But as it regards regards to Hackett, like. Rodgers, like, has defended him, and he says his offense works, but the reality is it's not Hackett's offense, it's Rodgers' offense. When Hackett is the play caller, Rodgers is the play caller. When when Zach Wilson's the quarterback, then Nathaniel Hackett's the play caller. Right. You see what that looks like right now. Right. I mean, Aaron Rodgers at the line of scrimmage can get you into the right play. The play like, it's, it's just so different. It's his system. Uh, all right, so, you know, speaking about Nathaniel Hackett and Rob Sala and Joe Douglas, this regime, I mean – not for nothing, Aaron Rodgers did give him a stamp of approval. I feel like he didn't have to do that. But I feel like he's doing that because of the letdown four plays in, right? They got to run it back next year. This has to be something they try again. They did everything to get him. Uh, no one's getting fired, but I think everybody rightfully should get fired for letting the same thing that happened last year happen again. But going into next year with these guys, like, do you get that feel that they're, they're like, hey, whatever, we're running it back, same head coach, same offensive coordinator, obviously the GM is safe, everybody's safe, and that's okay? You know, I, I, the the real X factor here ultimately is Woody Johnson, and I, I, if they do value Aaron Rodgers' opinion as much as I think they do, um, I imagine that if he said, if he says he wants them back, then they probably will be. I think Hackett is the one in particular that, um, you know, everybody kind of knows how he feels about him. So um, he doesn't have as much of a tie to Robert Sala or Joe Douglas. And I think Rodgers does like how much they listen to his voice, you know, solid basis, some things he does coaching-wise around what Rodgers says, and Douglas made some moves this offseason. Most of them haven't worked, but based on what Rodgers wanted. So I think he does like the structure of this organization because it gives him a voice that he doesn't really have as much as he wanted in Green Bay. So um, I think there is something to think about there. But, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, Woody's the one that's make the decision. And, you know, he, he's sitting here. This is going to be the end of the third season. They're probably going to finish with less, seven or less wins. If you, if you just go on their current track, and if they do that, then Robert Sala would not have had more than seven wins in a season. And, and uh, you know, they've become like sort of a laughing stock on offense. And I, I don't think Woody's going to be very happy that people are making fun of them. So um, if it keeps going down this track, I think there's reason to be concerned. But I, I, as of right now, I, I think tied to Aaron Rodgers, if everybody stays tied to him, I think everybody will be back. Okay, two more things. The defense. I feel like these guys, man, they started off the season, they seemed like they were supermen all world. But – I mean, it wears on you, and it's tough, and they know it. They're not dumb. These guys play defense. They see good offenses every week. They see good offense on film. They've they played in other places. These guys have played in college. They know good quarterback play, man. They're up against a little bit of a challenge this week, in my opinion, with Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, Cordero Patterson in the rain. I, I just said to Bo Morgan from Atlanta, I'm like, you guys have a three-headed monster in that, that backfield, and the Jets' defense hasn't particularly been that great against the run, yeah, they stopped the pass, so we expect them to cancel out Desmond Ritter and, and Drake London, but do you think they'll be up for the challenge four quarters against the run? And, you know, we've heard Sauce Gardner speak about having the score. Like, do you think the Jets' defense still has it in them, or are we going to start to see, you know, it wear down on these guys again? I felt like at halftime that, that Hail Mary obviously was a backbreaker. That's, that's a quick way to piss off your defense and assault your defense, but do you think these guys still have – you know, the wherewithal in them to say, hey, it's a new game. We can win the game. It's on us. Let's go out there and, and give A-plus effort. Do they have it in them? Absolutely, I do. I, I think the biggest thing I think I'm seeing in my mind is that they've kind of just been worn down by how much they've had to carry the team, and I think that's why you've seen them 
in the second half of these last two games is really where they kind of have fallen apart a little bit. Um, and yeah, the running, the run defense has been their biggest issue this whole year, especially recently. I think they rank towards the bottom league in rush defense and they're up towards the top and everything else. And as you said, you know, this is a three-headed monster. B. John Robinson can do a little bit of everything. He's pretty remarkable. And Tyler Algier is a really strong runner and Corderell Patterson is very athletic. So, um, it's a concern. And, but ultimately, if, if you can't beat a team that has Desmond Ritter at quarterback, then I don't think you can really beat anybody. So. Yeah, that's true. I mean, here's the quarterback. Here's the matchup for the defense. This guy's, you know, he had two picks last week. There's an opportunity for them to pick the ball off, take it to the house, pick up some fumbles, take it to the house, and, and that could be the difference in winning the game. Okay, last thing I'd like to do with you is, is lift up Connor Hughes. Connor Hughes is a guy that's come on my show a few times. He's also an alumni of Monmouth University like I am. I watch his stuff on SNY. I watch you guys interact online. I think he's a great guy, and his daughter was born right after my son was born this year. Um, unfortunately, Jamal Adams is POS and just you know, gets on Twitter and does what he did. So Connor Hughes' name has come up in the news a little bit. But, you know, I just spoke of his praises. I think he's a, a great journalist, a great reporter, um, and, and been great and nice to me, gracious to come on my show. Uh, you know, I just wanted to lift him up, and I wanted you to share um, some something from you guys. I know you guys are with each other a lot, and you know him personally, um, so we can just kind of put him over and uh, lift him up tonight before you're done. Oh, man, you're making me compliment Connor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know you guys are like brothers. You guys yeah. go back and yeah, forth yeah. all the time. Yeah, I know. It's all, it's all in good fun. Like, you know, Connor and I, we've known each other for a while. We became close friends in the last year or two. And then um, when he knew he was leaving for SNY, he, he put in a recommendation for me at The Athletic. And and uh, and The Athletic is somewhere I've wanted to work a very long time. And, you know, I worked hard to get here. But I, if without his recommendation, I don't know, I'd be sitting where I am, and over the last uh, year since I've been covering the team, we've become closer and closer. And I know him. I know I know his wife, and I've met his daughter. I've met his entire family actually, and um, they're great. And he didn't deserve what what happened today. And my feelings are on Twitter about it already. But yeah, I uh, yeah, I'll, I'll ride for Connor all the time. Same here. Hey, Zach Rosenblatt from the Athletic, covering your New York Jets. Thanks for joining us again, Zach. I appreciate you, bro. Yeah, good talking to you, bro. Have a good weekend. Hey, folks, we've got uh, 40 minutes until my next guest. So now's your time to call 877-337-6666. Keith McPherson on the fan. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Keith McPherson on the fan. That's me. How are you doing tonight? It's Friday night, a football Friday, a five-hour KM to AM on the fan. Let's keep it rocking, man. I'm feeling good. Uh, Had two guests on. Thanks to Bo Morgan from 92.9, the game in Atlanta. And Zach Rosenblatt from The Athletic covering the Jets. Coming up at 10-20, former Nick, UNC legend, Raymond Felton. But now, coming up, your calls. Let's see how many we can get in before we go to the next guest. Martin is first because Martin's been waiting. Martin from Guilford, Connecticut on the fan. Hello, Marty. Hey, Keith, that uh, big boy from Morgan just made a nice grab, huh? Yeah, this game, I, I mean, I could be watching the Devils. I could be watching the Knicks. or. Something. Oh, no, you talked earlier in the week about this game. This is good football. Yeah. Hey, now, it, would be, it would be poetic justice. If, I mean, Washington is probably not going to win the national championship. But what a what a way for that conference to go out. That would be tremendous. Before I get back to that game, can I talk a little Warren Moon with you? Absolutely. So he was maybe three years ahead of me. We played out of the same Western Division, L.A. City. He was a Hamilton Tiger, an incredible high school quarterback. Just running circles around everybody. Then I followed him up to Washington, saw him play there, too. I mean, he is, as you say, underrated, one of the great quarterbacks ever. 
And I just want to mention that real quickly. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, obviously, because you got to win Super Bowls and be like, you know, maybe just because he played in a time a little bit before all of the social media coverage and the hype or whatever. But Warren Moon was was one of them ones. He was one of them guys, like one of the best. I mean, he, he had to go up to Canada. And I don't want to get racial about it, but I mean, that might have been part, part of it. It's part of it. It's yeah, part of know, it. It just, he would have, he should have been the NFL much earlier. So this quarterback for Washington, I mean, you watch him play. I mean, is he a carbon copy of the lefty, the lefty for the Miami Dolphins or what? Very similar look to Tua. Oh he's, my, he's, yeah, the, he's the balls than, he throws, the balls he throws though. I'm talking about that. The same touch. It the looks, same it look, their motion looks so similar. Um, but he's six three, two twenty. Tua is, I think Tua's a little smaller. Oh yeah, I'm not comparing their physique. Just the way, but the ball no, the way that lefty hand. throw comes out of their hand. Yeah, two is six one and a little so, bit lighter. So catchable, so catchable. Hey, listen, I just I've been on hold, and I appreciate you putting me on here. But one thing before I go, I I'm a Dodger fan. I would love to see him go to Yankees. That kid rakes. To see who go, yeah, who, who, Soto, Soto, see Soto go to the yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I think there's a real chance that you get Otani and Yamamoto. Oh, I, well, you know what? You're not gonna, you, you'll get this. I'd prefer between the two Yamamoto. The Dodgers scored more runs than anybody last year. <laughs> For yeah. the first time. I'm Didn't 65. have the pitching. Came up short and listen, with the pitching. I'm, I'm 65 years old. This is the first time in my life we've ever had to talk about the Dodgers don't have pitching. It never happens. Right, right. And I mean, I mentioned Tony Goslin, uh, Urias, Bueller, like, they just kind of ran, and then Kershaw, being up there in age, they just kind of ran into it, and they pitched and, a bunch and, of and random guys two, this year. Their best arm, their best arm on the team is that wild throwing redheaded guy. Man, I forget his name. I'm Trevor, embarrassed right now. Taylor May, Trevor May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. May exactly. Either yeah, but Trevor Bauer. But I forget. No, his not Trevor May. Dustin yeah. May. <laughs> Dustin May. Dustin there May. What yeah. am I saying? That, Too that many names gotta, in my head. Oh, forget. I, I'm embarrassed. I forgot his name. But he's got a slider that's just a wipeout. Hey, listen, Keith, you take care, man. I'm about done. Yeah, enjoy the game. Thanks for the call, Martin. 877-337-6666. We can talk about anything. You you could talk to me about college football, Michael Penix Jr. throwing it, dropping the dime in there, looking like Tua, but a bigger, darker Tua. <laughs> you could talk to me about Warren Moon. Like I said, I did the book report on Warren Moon. It's okay to mention race because when Warren, Warren Moon was coming up, that was a factor, right? The black quarterback. The black quarterback is more prevalent than ever in the NFL. But back then, it was like, oh, these black guys can't play quarterback. They can't play the position. That's kind of the reason I was drawn to him. That's kind of the reason why I did the book report on him. Like I said, I started playing quarterback at 11. I'm a black guy that was standing up in front of the class for Black History Month talking about Doug Williams winning the Super Bowl. We've come a long way. It's okay. It's okay to mention it. It's it's history. It's facts. It's things that happen. We're not there anymore, and good. We're watching Michael Penix Jr. This guy might win the Heisman. This guy might shoot up the charts, be one of the top picks in the draft. I mean, the number one pick in the draft might be Caleb Williams, a black quarterback. You watch Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes' daddy is black. He's half white, half black, but his dad played for the Mets. Black dude. Who else in the NFL? C.J. Stroud, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott. Times have changed. Things have evolved. The game has changed. The game has evolved, but the game is great. Baseball is great, too. We can talk Dodgers. We can talk about what happened to the Dodgers this year. Dodgers had a bunch of wins. 
Dodgers scored a bunch of runs. Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, where were they when they needed them in the postseason? Those guys are MVPs. And those guys both have World Series rings but couldn't get it done. And one of the themes we were talking about tonight is proven postseason performers and how there's no analytics for that. And when we're looking to sign guys, we're looking to bring in free agents, we should consider who's got it done in October. 877-337-6666. Plenty more to talk about. Really, uh, we're, we're still talking Jets because the Giants are on a bye week. So we'll kind of table the Tommy Cutlets, Tommy D conversation for now. This, to me, is the game that will like actually end everything for this Jets season. It'll end the conversation about playoffs. It'll end the conversation about Aaron Rodgers potentially coming back. Eddie's in New Haven. Hello, Eddie. You're on the fan. Hey, Keith. Uh, glad glad to take my call. Um, I'm calling actually pertaining to Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, the Jets fans like myself have the same questions. Should he play as well as can he play? I actually work in orthopedics. I've worked with NFL players. I've worked with a lot of people that have actually had the same procedure he has. And the fortunate thing about when you have that procedure is that you get to put early weight bearing, which really curbs all the atrophy. He's gotten past the point of infection, which is the biggest concern with the speed bridge, and which allows for strength gain and also a solid repair around three months. Now he's at that point. So he is at the point where he can take cutting. He can take heavy resistance through the Achilles tendon itself without worry about rupture. And he should actually be able to play. Now the question is, should he play? Um, and looking at the offensive line of the Jets, he really shouldn't. But with all the Jets fans that are worried about re-injury, it's really not a high-risk re-injury because the, the actual repair itself is pretty strong at this point. And because he hasn't had the atrophy, most people with a standard Achilles repair have about six weeks where they're casted or they're serial casted where they're partially cast for a little bit and then taken out of it over six weeks. And a massive amount of atrophy happens in that, that time span. With Aaron, he only had he was starting weight bearing a couple weeks after surgery, which really curbed that atrophy. So really accelerates the, the healing process. So could he play? Absolutely. Should he play? That's really up to the offensive line. And like you just said, if they win this week, uh, it will definitely turn up the burners on whether he should play or not. Here's a question for you, doc. What about the other ligaments, muscles, things like, is he a higher risk of a sprained ankle, broken ankle, broken foot, torn ACL, a pulled hamstring? Like, you know, everything's connected. Like, Is there a chance that he could have another injury if we don't think he's going to re-injure the actual Achilles? So absolutely there is. But at the same instance, like I said, because of the early weight bearing, you're allowed to strengthen your quads. You're allowed to strengthen your hips. You're allowed to strengthen all the peripheral muscles that usually are affected in the mobilization process. The, as you know, everybody in here that's a middle-aged athlete that's a tour in their Achilles, they spent five to six weeks on the couch. Outside of the first week where you probably had to avoid having too much high, high blood pressure to, to cause an infection or, or wound separation, he's been able to go full throttle for the last three months, really strengthening his body and just doing what his physician and his medical team has told him in terms of putting stress on the repair. So he should be healthy enough to play, I'd say, by the end of December. But it's really going to be a question of whether the Jets want to put him out there on a limb with no offensive line. I feel like there is so much more to lose than there is to gain. I, I talked about I, it earlier. I'm like, what are we what are we doing here? Even if they do somehow 
pull off a miraculous run, which it's not just about Aaron Rodgers. This is the ultimate team game. But even if they do make a run to the playoffs, who are they beating in the playoffs as a wild card team? Yeah, it's it's going to be tough. And like like I said, could he play? Absolutely. I'm a lifelong Jets fan. I'd like to see a Super Bowl in my lifetime. I think I have a better chance of seeing that next year than this year. So, uh, you know, I'm pulling for him the wait for next year, but he could absolutely play this year. And if his ego's in the right way and maybe he wants to end the season with finally beating Mac Jones 5-0 and against the Jets <laughs> in his garbage career to, to end the It'll season. It'll be Bailey Zappi or Will Greer, I'm telling you. They're, they're going to be somebody, done with Mac. You know, I'd love to see him throw Mac Jones in the game just so the Jets could finally beat that, that you know. Or just break the streak the against the Patriots franchise and Bill Belichick. In general, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you, you can do that with Tim Boyle, or maybe Zach Wilson will be the guy to do that. They'll give him that chance. I do think Zach Wilson, get, get, unfortunately, he you know, does deserve. A, he, I think, I mean, I know I think he's, he's been terrible, but exactly. Uh, Tim Boyle's a sitting duck. This kid, at least, is more athletic, can create some kind of play, some kind of chance. I think Keith, after Tim Boyle, if it's not Trevor Simeon, why not go back to Zach Wilson? Keith, just as, just as you were, I was a, a college athlete. I tore my Achilles. I don't want to relate my tear because I'm, I'm not Aaron Rodgers. Um, but you probably cringed a little bit when he couldn't reach the end zone, just like probably 50 uh, quarterbacks in the tri-state area could have made that throw. Yeah, thanks for the call, Eddie. 877-337-6666. I got a full rack of calls. Let's see, Eric, Eric, two Eric's, Matt, Stan. Uh, coming to you guys next. We got to take a break here. We're going into the 10 o'clock hour. Marco's going to hit you with the update, and then I've got a little bit of runway until um, we go to – uh, Raymond Felton around 10:25, 10:30. Keith McPherson on the fan. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game on your favorite streaming devices, anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode, and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 